This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the podcast now. It's not a radio show anymore. I'm Mike Fleischman, host of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. I've got Matt Mellemsetter with me here. Matt Mellemsetter, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike? Doing great. Everything is coming up fresh and easy today. This is a Packers podcast. Of course, the Packers are the best hey. goddamn team in the NFL. I'm very excited. We're uh, we're both big fans of the Packers. That's that's how I filed you in my mind mm. when I first started seeing mm. you. Packers Matt. Mm-hmm. Around Radio DePaul, I was like, also wears Packers gear. <laughs> is good people. So that that's kind of how, how I filed that together. Um, if you are joining me... <clears throat> After knowing about my my radio show on Radio DePaul, thank you very much for joining me once again as we transition to a podcast because I'm not technically part of Radio DePaul anymore because <laughs> I graduated from, from kicked, DePaul. He didn't get kicked out. He just graduated. He's too smart for us. No, we're still here in the loop at the beautiful new Radio DePaul station downtown in the loop. That's where we're coming to you from. Matt Mellum said her, uh, icebreaker question, yeah. what's the best mispronunciation of your name oh, that has ever occurred? Oh boy, I can get into some real good stories about this. Uh, <clears throat> sixth grade math class, it was one of the first days of class, we had like an announcer like box in our class and the office would call down to send people down to the office and I got a call, Mr. Matt, Matt Mellum... Mm. Matt Mellon Lester, please, down to the office. And I said, Nailed it. All right, see ya. <laughs> that's me. I'm, yeah. uh, I get I'm, it. I'm I get it. The Mellon Molester. Yeah. So um, that's 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 the. I get. That's, Mel, I, yeah, I get a lot of different pronunciations. You you nailed it first time. First try. Oh, that's not the first try. <laughs> <sighs> in in my head, it was always just that like syllable mash where you don't mm. know it mm. and you've never yeah, said yeah, it yeah. out loud for a while. So it's oh Matt. Mm. Mm. Oh, that guy, yes. Packers, 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 Matt. Matt. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> he wears a, pl- folks, he wears a plastic hard hat mm-hmm. with the Green Bay Packer logo on it. It's good. Um, not not a cheese hat, but this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. There's actually, are you a cheesehead owner? Because I don't own I'm not a cheesehead owner. Uh-uh. I don't, it, they're too, I get it. I get, I'm sure, I'm, I'm happy for all the people that love them. I don't, I think I would look like a crazy person with it on. It's too much Same. for me. I think it's too much. I love my hard hat. I was in uh, I was in Baltimore, Maryland, and a taxi driver was wearing a Packers sweatshirt, and a taxi driver said, hold on. And he gets out of his taxi, goes around to the back as I'm getting out to go into my hotel, and he pulls this construction helmet. It's a, construct, it's a yellow construction helmet, hard hat, with a Green Bay Packers like helmet decal on the side. And he says, here, you can have this. So that's my... So that Packers was given to you by was... a Baltimore taxi driver. That's <laughs> incredibly taxi good. Driver. That's perfect. It's been all over the world. I am. I'm wearing one of my few pieces of Packers apparel. I'm, I'm more of a more of a, a thrift store grandpa mm. fashion man myself. Mm. But it's Packers Day, so we're we're doing Packers stuff. We got to get into it. We, we got we got stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. We have real real things to talk about. Wanted to start with the 2017 season. I went week by week through mm-hmm. the season on the radio show, and now it's. I took a, a, a couple of months away from thinking about football, which is smart because the 2017 season was at times hard to think about. There were a lot of moments in this season that were that were ugly, that were tough to deal with. Mm-hmm. Of course, week six losing Aaron Rodgers. That Thursday night game against the Bears that was just one of the worst football games I've ever watched. Yeah. The, uh, 
the hit on Devontae Adams in that game. There were some moments in the season, but overall, a 7-9 and nine record. Lost Aaron Rodgers in Week 6. It began the Brett Hundley era, oh. which has come to a, a quick and truncated end. Uh, where were you, where, how are you living on the 2017 season? Um, I'm living... Man. So, the 2017 season, to me, is a massive disappointment if we had Aaron Rodgers, but we didn't have Aaron Rodgers. And so seven and nine is about all I think we were going to manage. I think Brett Hundley was, the Brett Hundley era was ugly the entire time. Uh, I think it showed uh, uh, a lack of coaching on Mike McCarthy's point, on from Mark, from Mike McCarthy. Um, and I think, I don't know, it was just, not good. It's very bad. It was it was tough to watch. Of course, that four and one start. I'm doing a radio show. I'm watching that start, being like, "Oh, I'm gonna really enjoy yeah. doing doing this new radio show <laughs> I'm doing this year." And just good news all the way. <laughs> it tanked quick, didn't it? Yeah. It. Oh, um, so many other things didn't pan out. If we mm. looked at some of the newcomers early on in that season that we sure. were expecting big things out of, of course, Kevin King and Josh Jones mm-hmm. in the draft, as well as Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. So a pair of defensive backs and a pair of running backs. There's good news there, but the big free agent signing, Martellus Bennett, did not work out. Mm-hmm. And as someone, I'm I'm generally a fan of the Bennetts, so yes. this, this to me was shocking mm-hmm. the way this has panned out, but... All the same, not something that did not work out. That's probably something that affected what happened to Ted Thompson. Devon House wasn't really able to be healthy throughout the season. Not a lot of other big names came into this season. We did see Jari Evans play very mm-hmm. well at guard. We saw Justin McCray play all over the offensive yeah. line. And for a guy who had very, very little going for him as far as NFL chatter or reputation. He did fairly well yeah. along the offensive line that saw Balaga <clears throat> and Bakhtiari really struggle to stay on the field. Mm-hmm. And in <clears throat> we, we talked about Jari Evans, who played very well. He's now turning 36, I believe, maybe 35. Um, to see Justin McCray play as well as he did, it, 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 it really eases my mind, I think, can ease the minds of most Packers fans knowing that Justin McCray is going to be able to step in anywhere on that line, wherever we need him. We can let Jari Evans walk in free agency. We don't need him again. We have Justin McCray able to step in, play in either guard position, play in Balaga's tackle spot if we need him. Um, yeah, he's, he's and just up to whatever, and the start was rough for him. Yeah. His first couple of games, <laughs> he was looking very rough. He came a long way. Of course, there's a lot of talk of Lucas Patrick. If you read Packers fan sites, I didn't see quite enough from Mm. from Patrick coming into this season. But other guys who came in last season, of course, Ahmad Brooks, he's not going to be back. That was was not an impressive campaign. Justin Vogel, the punter, that's some good news for the Packers. They've needed a a punter. It's been a long time since we've had a good punter. And Lindsey Pipkins, who... Uh, results on the field, maybe not what you'd expect, but results on social media, really, really good for Pipkins. He's a Lindsey Pipkins social media game is off the chain. Yes, he's a good, he's a good Twitter follow for all all y'all looking for a Packer to to follow on Twitter because he will he will unite the position groups on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's with everyone out there. So those those are a lot of the guys who came in last season. Of course, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. These guys, oh, wow. yeah. Look like we don't have to be worrying about which 
non-running back we're currently converting <laughs> to running back yeah. anymore. Um, at a certain point last season, the Packers went sort of free jazz with their running backs and were running out Cobb and yeah. Montgomery. Oh, but Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, I Matt, I'm an optimist, but is this a one-two punch? Is this a legitimate two running back attack? I think a very legitimate two running back attack, and I think if Ty Montgomery stays healthy, a very legitimate three running back attack. Ty Montgomery struggled a little bit last year, and especially with his injuries and stuff. But I, I, as as well as Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams played, I we forget about how good Ty Montgomery was that first season of making that transition. He was stellar. So I, I I think we've got a very legitimate one two three running back attack on our hands if with help bearing health. And, and Montgomery, of course, a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. I like this because it lets you start him wherever along the line. He can be all the way out wide. He can come in behind Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He can do a lot of different things. Yeah. And one of the bigger, stronger guys who's coming out of the backfield, he can set blocks. He's, he's a matchup problem for other teams because you don't know what he's going to be doing on a particular play, whereas guys like Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, just second-year running backs, not pass catchers, mm-hmm. either of them. Well, Aaron, Aaron Jones, big strength of his coming out of the draft um, last year was his pass catching. He was pretty good. Jamal Williams was great in the screen game last year, but Ty Montgomery, is he's, he's the gadget player that Mike McCarthy's wanted to use Randall Cobb as for the last, what, six years now? I hope we never see another pitch to Cobb out of the backfield Same. again. Um, <clears throat> but Ty, Montgom- Ty Montgomery has the ability to, he's six foot two, 225 pounds from his first year as a running back to the last year in those first five games or whatever before he broke his rib and was kind of done for the season. His pass, his blocking in the backfield got so much better. He made huge strides in all of the areas of the game that he struggled with in his first season as a running back. Um, he's going to be an exceptional player to watch uh, Joe Philbin game plan with next next season. I'm very excited. That's a good transition point. We've taken a look at the guys that came in and made it made a difference mm-hmm. in 2017. Uh Again, seven and nine. The the Brett Hundley era. It's over. Yeah. The Brett Hundley era has it. ended. The Ted Thompson era mm-hmm. has ended. That's our next next order of business here on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Is taking a look at what happened to the front office and mm-hmm. the coaching staff. Ted Thompson, a run of twelve seasons from 05 to twenty seventeen, has moved on to. Uh, I guess it's kind of being politely put out to pasture when you're given that, yeah. like, honorary president of football <laughs> operations and golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honorary president of sandwiches He's got a on position. the veranda. <laughs> <laughs> so Ted Thompson has moved on to uh, to the farm where GMs go to, uh, mm-hmm. to run through the field. Mm-hmm. And a new general manager coming up from the inside, Brian Gutkunst. Which is a name. Yeah. Another name that I'm sure he, we could get him on here and he could tell us his favorite mispronunciation yeah, oh he's, he's got some heard good so ones. far. I bet he's, he does. He's got, he's got ones that can rival ah, Monster. Ah, Mr. Gutewurst. Yeah. No, that's wrong. Um, Brian Gutekunst, the new, new general manager. And having this guy come in from inside, of course, you know, a lot of Packers fans you talk to will give you the whole, like, we need to sign the free agents. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was. That wasn't the best up north voice. It's, uh, it's, it's it was close. You know, we, need, 
Mike, we need we need the high-priced, powerful free agents to want to come to the, this this state up north. I mean, I like it here. I own six parkas, and and sausage is really good. And and these uh, you know, these these young millionaires should also love parkas and sausages. God, and and, uh, and cheese, and also cheese, and cold weather, cold weather. Um, Brian Gutkun's coming from inside. He's a Ted Thompson guy. Mm-hmm. This is a Packers insider. I don't know if we'll, if we're going to see the change that a lot of fans want. I think the Packers are going to continue doing things the way the Packers do, the way the things the Packers do. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Neither. I think we've done. A, I think the Packers have done, and Ted Thompson specifically has done a very, very good job of finding talent in late rounds. I mean, Ted Thompson's fourth-round drafts are legendary. I mean, if we want to pull up a list of his fourth-round draft picks, I mean, it's like Hall... It's not Hall of Famers, but it's it's Bakhtiari. It's a mega-value picks in that fourth round. Um, I think Thompson's done a, Thompson did a fantastic job with undrafted free agents, filling the roster with cheap depth. But Green Bay's never going to be a free agent hotspot destination, and we've seen that this offseason off as we've made plays at... A lot of big name free agents. They don't want to come here. They don't want to come to Green Bay. It's too cold. It's we don't have the money to offer. It's it's a di- it's a different place. It's it's not a hot spot destination like L.A. or Miami or anything like that. It's it's a cold place where you build your teams through the draft and through player development and not necessarily through big splash free agent signings. It takes a special kind of guy mm-hmm. to want to come up and live. A lot of players live in northern suburban Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which is. A more cosmopolitan place than Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. When I use the word "more," I am I am implying a level of cosmopolitan <laughs> greater than Green Bay, but lower than actual cosmopolitan places. It's important to it's, it's to more note than that zero. Yeah, it's greater than zero, but maybe not yet one. It's a, it's not yet an integer. Uh, I want to take a look at Ted Thompson. This guy is very good at drafting. He's fantastic. Here's a, here's a list of high draft picks going from 2005 to 2016. 2005, 24th overall, Aaron Rodgers. All of fame. 2005, 51st overall, Nick Collins. Oof, pretty good. Pretty darn 2006, good. 2006, 52nd overall, Greg Jennings. Pretty darn good. 2007, 78th overall, James Jones. Pretty darn good. <laughs> 2008, 36th overall, Jordy Nelson. Hall of Famer. 91st overall, Jermichael Finley. Hmm. Getting on to two guys in 2009, B.J. Raji. Great. My spirit animal, (laughs) B.J. Raji. And also uh, Clay Matthews. Great. Drafted out of of a Viking ship from uh, from somewhere in the pre-Crusades era. (laughs) 2011, Randall Cobb at 64th overall. Eddie Lacy. Uh, at 61st overall, my other my other spirit animal. Uh, 2014, haha, Clinton Dix and Devontae Adams. And then in 2015, Demarius Randall. We'll get to him more later. And then 2016, Kenny Clark. Mm. Like that's you could hang your hat on that you list. Get, that's a great list. That's a, it's a numerous Hall of Famers, numerous Packers Hall of Famers, uh, and a lot of some top tier talent. Then you get to. Uh, some of these guys, and I think this might be the. Mo- I'm going to start with the the most recent low draft pick that has been very very good is 2016 131st overall in the fourth round Blake Martinez. He's been fantastic. He's been stellar. Pro Bowl this year. Watch yeah. it. Watch he's, him. He's, Put my stamp on it. He's 
he's an unbelievable tackler. He's everywhere on the field. Sitting and Lang both coming in the fourth round, 2008-2009. Devon House and Mike Daniels coming in the fourth round in 2012. Bakhtiari, of course, fourth round, 2013. Corey Lindsley, who might be one of the top three centers in the NFL, mm-hmm. in the fifth round in 2014. There's Brett Hundley in the fifth round. Um, we don't want to talk about you know, that. That's a, we don't want to talk about that. He's a football player. You may have heard of him. But that's just a little look at what Ted Thompson, who the Packers fans, they love to put pressure on guys like Thompson. This guy is a legacy, legacy GM, mm-hmm. one of the best the NFL's ever seen. He, he's consistently, I mean, we talk about Green Bay Packers' excellence, and we, I mean, last season was a struggle. And the team was not very good, mainly because of Aaron Rodgers being out. But Ted Thompson has consistently built winning t- football teams that are Super Bowl contenders year in and year out since coming in in 2005, taking over for Mike Sherman. He's been absolutely he, – he was, not has been, but was uh, stellar, one of the best that we've seen, at least in my lifetime. Complimenting that move, Gutkunst now the GM. Dom Capers, no longer the Thank defensive God. coordinator. And uh, there's a big, there's a big sigh of Oof. relief. Uh, we've been. This is something we've been watching for a while. Is is young players struggle with Dom Capers' scheme? Yeah. It came to a major head last year. Of course, this is the second year in a row where the Packers have run straight the heck out of defensive backs. Yep. And have been like promoting guys from the practice squad and uh, and and from. Their own Everywhere. personal homes and apartment buildings. <laughs> Everywhere that they, yeah. they they go to a dog park in southern Milwaukee and they find a guy play cornerback. You're like, well, excuse me, what was your forty time? Oh, no, five, no, two. you, you, not the oh, dog. Oh, me, me, yeah, me. not the dog, not you. Four six. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just looking for uh, looking for whoever they can find at these positions. But Dom Capers and young guys, particularly young defensive backs, has shown itself to be bad. Yeah, a, ba- a bad combination. A very bad combination. <laughs> and so now we look at uh, Mike Pettin. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who I recognize the name. I'm not enough of an NFL guru to really know where where uh, where he's been and what he's going to bring. But uh, me, I'm just hoping, like, I'm hoping that he's going to bring man-to-man defense. I've, I said this a lot on the radio show mm-hmm. last year. You've got young cornerbacks. You've got you know, Kevin King. You had Demarius Randall. You yep. still have Quentin Rollins. Mm-hmm. You have guys like Josh Jones. You have Morgan Burnett who can read the field very well from close to the line of scrimmage. Line these guys up across the, across the line of scrimmage from the opposing players and tell them to win the battle. Yeah. Can... Uh, it, uh, if you if you know anything about Mike Patine that I don't, I, like I, how to say his name, um, I, I, Patton, I think. Will, I think, I, I think, he, I think will he do that? Yes, he will. Um, Mike Patton has Mike Patton's background, as far as I can recall it, goes back to Bill the Buffalo Bills with Rex Ryan, and then into or sorry starts with the Jets with Rex Ryan, then moves to Buffalo. Which way was? Do you remember which way it was? That's when I was like ten or Jets 12. first, then Buffalo. Jets first, then Buffalo. Jets. Buffalo. Um, he was kind of the center point of those two fantastic defenses under Rex Ryan. He was more of the mastermind, I think, than Rex Ryan. He runs primarily a press man on the outside with with cornerbacks and then relies a lot more on a solid pass rush than great secondary coverage. He's always made use of one solid cornerback, which was in his, in his time with Buffalo and New York, uh, Darrell Revis. But 
Um, outside of that, he's always worked very, very well with below average NFL cornerback talent, which makes me think that he's going to be a fantastic fit for this team, which has a stacked offensive, li- uh, stacked defensive line that's going to be able to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback next year, plus below average cornerbacks. Um, that a lot of these cornerbacks that we have are built a lot more for press man. Devon House was not supposed to be playing backed off zone coverage. He's a press man corner, and we wasted a year of his talents, even though he was injured. But um, Dom Capers pretty consistently put guys in the wrong system in the wrong positions for what Ted Thompson was drafting them for. Dom Capers struck me as a man who was not interested in evaluating his talent. He was interested in his ideas. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which we saw this be very effective when you had Clay Matthews as a young, fast, hunger man Mm -hmm. and guys like Al Harris and Charles Woodson as Corner, cornerbacks who are among the best to ever play and in the person of Charles Woodson and also, one of the most intelligent football players I think we've ever seen. Yeah, and not just Al Harris and Charles Woodson but also a, a Sam Shields that ran like a 4-2-8-40 time that's keeping up with everybody who's that young, hungry cornerback who you're just saying, go win. And also a stud Tremont Williams back in 2010. So he was not only... The only time we've seen Dom Capers' defense work is when he's stacked and loaded with best of all time, Hall of Fame, very, very, very good talent. And kind of over the years, he started to lose that and started to lose those... Charles Woodson type players and it never he never changed his system. There was and the game plan towards the end of last year in the Brett Hundley era. Yeah. The game plans oh, got yeah. so completely predictable. Yeah. And that to me was another sign that this was this had to end mm-hmm. in that you have to roll the dice if you want to win with Brett Hundley. You yeah. have to take the ball away mm-hmm. and you have to take the opposing quarterback yeah. down and you have to start expending resources to do that, and you have to have some idea of where to attack some of these offensive lines. In mm-hmm. general, the NFC North, I said it right, I didn't see, say NFC Central. Hey. I am, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm freshly graduated from college and also minutes away from retirement <laughs> as, as a part of, part of how I live and what my age is. But uh, the NFC North is a place where you're going to line up against three good offensive lines mm-hmm. for eight of your 16 games, but there was no answer. And the Packers had some young guys who should have been able to pressure the quarterback a lot yeah. better than they did last year. Yeah. Uh, Mike Daniels, excuse me, Mike Daniels, a fantastic pass rusher. Kenny Clark, 22 years old, uh, showed an ability last year that we hadn't seen yet in his young career to get to the quarterback this year, adding Mo Wilkerson. going to be huge. Um Clay Matthews starting to slow down on that edge. Um, that's why, I mean, when we get into some draft coverage, we'll talk about whether we think Packers are going edge and everything, but just a complete lack of ability to get to the quarterback last season and a lot of Dom Capers' defenses, I felt like we were running three-man rush, cover threes, backed off zone coverages that just didn't ever work or do any... Everybody knew what was happening. Everybody knew what we were going to run. and it, All they had to run was a slant or an underneath crossing route and it was an automatic first down every time it seemed like trickery was the name of the game and i just and it's like lining up the cornerbacks against guys and telling them to win that matchup trickery with slow players is just (laughs) essentially 
losing <laughs> because it means that you'll never catch up to what the offense is mm-hmm. doing and the offense is therefore never reacting to you. Yes, it always felt like Capers was calling a play for the play before. He never it never felt like he was uh, uh, adjusting for what an offense was doing. It never felt like he was trying to read what they were going to do next. It always felt like it was a reaction to what they had ran the play before. It always felt like he was calling the right play for what they had just ran and not what they were about to run. Uh, a personal observation on Dom Capers. You know, they do that thing on NFL coverage where they'll where they'll cut to the defensive mm. coordinator up there in the box. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Dom Capers was actually up there in that box or if they had a mannequin <laughs> of Dom Capers with that. Uh, he never moved with that with that Mark Davis hair and that that pen and those glasses just sitting there. Writing out 600 passing yards. What do we do? (laughs) Giving up 800 this week. All right, number four, hold the cheese, extra mayo. (laughs) That guy, uh, I mean, that guy makes stoic people look free and easy. (laughs) So that's uh, that's our thoughts on Dom Capers. Uh, Mike Mike Patton, as in like, oh, I'm just petting this cat right Mm -hmm. here. Uh, He's he's in. Uh, last, Last coaching change of note. Edgar Bennett, the offensive coordinator, which is an easy job under Mike McCarthy yeah. because you hand Mike McCarthy the clipboard <laughs> and then <laughs> you back off. <laughs> and then you cash your paycheck and yeah. set up direct deposit and you're good. Um, Joe Philbin mm-hmm. is in. Yeah, the return um, of Joe Philbin. I was surprised to see Joe Philbin return, but yet there, there he is. I'm excited to see Joe Philbin return. Joe Philbin was kind of the architect of... Uh, like our 2011 through 2014, those dominant offensive seasons, um, a lot more of a vertical passing game. I'm really excited to see Joe Philbin back. Do you think that Mike McCarthy will let Joe Philbin call plays? I don't know if he will, but during the Joe Philbin era, when Joe Philbin was here last, I felt like we saw a lot less of the um, shotgun pitch to the outside type gadget plays that Mike McCarthy loves to run so I don't know if Joe Philbin will be calling the plays but I feel like the last time we saw Joe Philbin he worked as a fantastic foil to the dumber aspects of Mike McCarthy's play calling brain yeah I'm I'm so torn on whether I like Mike McCarthy's play calling sure I generally believe now this is something that this is something that people will argue with me about again they'll be like oh no he should be fired six and a half years Mm -hmm. ago but i truly believe that mike mccarthy is the second best coach in the nfl wow that's unironic wow i don't think he's that good i just don't think there's anyone else better that we could acquire sure i just (laughs) i i think that he's the best that we could get and so i think we stick with him until he's no longer the best that we can have i don't think he's anything top tier like that i think he's a pretty darn good coach who struggles and gets caught up in his own pride in play calling and stuff like that. But he has his moments of brilliance. Yeah, the play calling is something that I scratch my head at. Yeah. It's also something where I know I know that I don't call plays sure. in the NFL. Sure, sure, I know sure. that no one also I'm not turning down offers to do that right now. Yeah. No, um, no, no, I, of course. I have just graduated though, so if someone does so, want to offer me mm. a position doing anything at all with followed by the phrase in the NFL, um, you can reach I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can reach me there. We'll talk about it more. Uh, we're going to take a break here on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. When we come back, we're going to move on from 2017 and the offseason moves. Talk a little bit about this 2018 offseason so far. So I'll take a quick break and be back. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. 
Half number two of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the podcast. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellumsetter right over there. Hey. Icebreaker for the second half. Okay. How are you a Packers fan? I How'd this happen? Am, I'm from South Dakota, um, so there's not really a team around us. The Minnesota Vikings are kind of the closest team. But my dad and his dad were both Packers fans before me. I am a stock owner. I have... My I'm owner number one hundred and seventy-two thousand six hundred and something something something, but I've got that hanging on my wall. I think my first outfit that I wore after being born was a Packers onesie, but don't quote me on that. Cool. Yeah. So it, it's it's in my blood. It's the it's as old as I am. All right, Packers fans. Packers shit. fans are everywhere. everywhere. And they, they take it. They take it with them. I saw a Packers fan on the train to record this today. Yeah, I uh, I go running every morning mm-hmm. in a big Packers jacket because it's April and it's still winter in Chicago. <laughs> it's still twenty degrees. Now we shall, <laughs> and now I shall air every grievance I've ever had. What's also the deal with the way people ride bikes on the sidewalk in this city? Uh, um, but no, I go running in this big Packers jacket, and a guy the other day. It's like 6.30 in the morning, and a guy in a pickup truck slows down, kind of pulls up next uh-huh. to me, and starts honking his horn, which is what you want to have happen when you're out running at 6.30 <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the morning. Yeah. In, uh, you know, on like 67th and Kedzie <laughs> on the south side. That's, uh, that's, that's exactly what you want to have happen. And he's like waving at me, and I'm like... Good morning. Hello. And he grabs a hat from his dashboard and holds it up, and it's a Packers hat. <laughs> there you go. And I was just like, at that point, I just like finally crack, you know, crack the smile because I have I have resting Chicago face when I do anything yeah. in public, which is the face that says, "Do not get any closer to this man." Um, but yeah, when I see he's holding up the Packers hat and honking his horn at me, uh, that's six thirty in the morning. Yeah, a perfect time to be doing any of that, of course. That was that was good to see. Um, yeah, we're everywhere. I was born in Wausau, Wisconsin, mm. and my dad, a huge Packers fan. Yeah. I, you know, I've come back, come at it from uh, from you know whole life as well. I watched Brett Favre complete his first NFL pass to Brett Favre to himself. Yep. Uh, yeah, I saw. I got to see. Got to see a lot along the way. Wow. So it's just just continuing a, a lifelong obsession is is what I'm up to here. I'm gonna keep on rolling. We've gone through the off season. Front office moves. Talked a bit about 2017. We'll never bring it up again. Please, no, please. Uh, get to the 2018 off season. Take a look first of all at new free agent signings. Sure. This is uh, this is Gutkunst's first time to really make an impression on the free agent market. And these guys that we're going to talk about, they're important not only for what they bring to the football field, but they're an important message to free agents down the road. <clears throat> that Green Bay is a place that will, one, offer you a fair contract, and two, be an actual destination for guys who could have had their pick of larger markets. Mm-hmm. Um, first signing, Tremont Williams. This is not so much in that category. Tremont Williams, yeah. is his best years are behind him, yep. but as a guy who who is going to join a squad that is far too young and far too inexperienced having a guy like Williams who has been a positive team guy everywhere he's been I think this is an important signing I think it's a big signing I think it's cheap I think it's, I think it's contracts for like three million dollars I think it's two years ten million but three millions guaranteed um, 
He's played under Mike Pettin before, so he's familiar with Pettin's system. He's familiar with Pettin himself. I think at the very worst, if he's playing or if he's our third cornerback, he's a good depth piece. He's a good blocker room presence, like you said. It's going to be big to just have – the Packers seem to run out of defensive backs every single season, so just having more bodies in that locker room that can man up against the guy on the, on the outside is always nice to have. Yeah, this is a guy who is going to prevent the uh... – Prevent the uh, the era of what was my my favorite tweet of all time was when the pat I, I made this tweet of course I made my own favorite tweet of all time um, confidence confidence yeah. this is of course a lie but uh, there was some cornerback that got brought in in the 2016 oh, season yeah. and uh, I forget I forget who it was oh McKinton Dorland yeah yeah mm, yeah. Is and um, and Dorland Dorland came in right from came in from a game went out for a game and my tweet is just is this the end of the McKinnon Dorland era? (laughs) No, just Uh, I mean yeah, Tremont Williams may prevent the McKinnon Dorland era from ever happening again. I'm fine with that. Yeah, guys like Dorland and Herb Herb Waters and kind of those training camp gems that we all latch on to Marwin Evans was mine Marwin last year Evans. hey I like Marwin Evans he hits hard yeah yeah he does him and Kentrell Bryce they hit hard I like that yeah good acceleration through the ball carrier uh-huh. it's good stuff um, but yeah if we can prevent the uh, Marwin Evans era with <laughs> Trevon Williams this year that would probably be good uh, getting down to the bigger names of course name number one Jimmy Graham yeah huge signing huge signing I didn't see a lot of Graham play last year I didn't watch a lot of Seattle games sure um, is this guy ever going to be the same player that we remember from New Orleans? Um, I think yes, because A, he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers can make anyone look like a pro bowler again. Now, Jimmy Graham didn't run the same system that he ran in New Orleans. In New Orleans, they ran a much more vertical system. In Seattle, it was a little bit shallower West Coast system. Jimmy Graham really thrives deep up that seam coming from that tight end spot. He's not so much of a tight end as he is a huge, fast, athletic slot receiver. He's not a great blocker. He's not great off the line, but he is a fantastic... He's fantastic at creating mismatches and driving through that seam. And I think with Joe Philbin's more vertical scheme, we're going to see some really big plays out of Jimmy Graham. And at absolute worst... He's six foot eight, right? He's a huge end zone target. We're gonna see him pull down at least double digit touchdowns this year. He's gonna be great. So that's a that's a big free agent signing. This is one of those guys that I'm talking about about changing the culture mm-hmm. of who thinks about coming and signing yeah. with Green Bay, especially as as we see Aaron Rodgers is you know, his career will not last forever. Right. And there's going to have to be a plan in place to, you know, hopefully keep winning a few games a year without him, yeah. You know, before we just slot in the next, uh, the next Hall of Fame All World quarterback, <laughs> which uh, who is you know currently twelve years old, yeah. out there, out there currently, and then Muhammad Wilkerson mm-hmm. along the defensive line. This is an important signing because it finally gives a little bit of help to Mike Daniels and also to um, also to big old Kenny Clark, if yeah. I can use a Maddenism there. This is this is now a three man defensive line where all three of these guys are actually good. Yeah, where all three of them are studs, and it's not just those three. I mean, Dean Lowry played really well last year. We've got some good depth on that line, but being able to have Mo Wilgerson is our is our starting left end or right end or wherever he's going to be. 
it's huge to be able to bring kind of our, our more subpar guys off the bench instead of starting at Dean Lowry type. Our, our defensive line is, is, I think, one of the top defensive lines in the NFL right now. We have Mike Daniels, who I think is one of the best defensive ends, and Kenny Clark, who might be the best nose tackle in football. He just eats up blocks. He's stellar in the run game. Kenny Clark made a huge adjustment in the middle of last season where Kenny Clark was having no trouble at all standing up centers in his rookie yeah. year, but he was having a lot of trouble moving laterally. <laughs> and this is something that... I was expecting that change to take a little bit longer. You can look at yeah. Kenny Clark and tell, like, okay, athlete, all right, yeah. you know, very talented, athlete. very driven. But that his ability to start moving laterally and to adjusting to where the play was, and that's that's a product of, of training, but it's also a product of increasing your, your vision. Mm-hmm. On the field, those things moved along really nicely for Clark. And having Daniels on one side was nice, but you got the feeling that, Opponents were game planning away from Daniels for the entire game because mm-hmm. there was nobody on the other side that could really move tackles and guards the of way course. Daniels can. Now, now you have to go somewhere. Yeah, you can't just double team Mike Daniels the whole time. Is is towards the end of the year we started to see Kenny Clark make some good pushes. I, I believe he got his first sack last season. I don't think he had his sack his, his rookie season. He got his first sack last season. We saw, started to see Kenny Clark make that push into the backfield a lot more as a pass rusher. But now adding Mo Wilkerson, there's no one that you can just full on double team on that line anymore. You. You have to really commit to blocking everyone. And if we're going to be bringing off Clay Matthews and some some snaps, some Nick Perry on the edge, it's going to be a good pass rush. So that's Williams, Graham, and Wilkerson, new signings. Uh, there's, there was a trade. There was a trade. Trades are becoming a little more common in the NFL hey. right now. I yeah. like it. Uh, make the chaos make the chaos happen. Demarius Randall is now a Cleveland Brown. Yeah, uh, you can you can you can take that message how you would. Yeah, because I, we have different we have different opinions on Demarius Randall. We do. Yeah. I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm kind of sad to see Demarius Randall go. Although I I'm not. I don't. It's it's more in that like. Here's a guy with all the talent in the world yeah. who didn't put it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm a patient guy, and I believe in second chances. Yeah. And I also believe that, like, getting sent to the Cleveland Browns is, like, <laughs> that's a – yeah. You've been sent to purgatory. Yeah, you have just uh, – you, you've just come down on Christmas morning. <laughs> there's nothing but coal in And, yeah, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing there for you. Uh, you know, you uh, – you might have ordered the the grilled chicken sandwich and found that you got like a dead bird instead. Yeah, there's that's a that's a comment on on something sure. by the people trading you. Like yeah. there is there is an implied there is an implied statement there. I think in getting sent to the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, Demarius Randall. Um, boy, when he's good, he's real good. When boy, he's- when he's bad. He's the worst. Yeah. When he's good, he's really good. Down the stretch, after that benching, after McCarthy got into his face a little bit after that, what was it? What game was that? It was before the Cowboys game? So week three or four when he got benched? Or was it later in the season? I'm starting there to were mul- There were multiple ones. Yeah, we've already put 2017. We've already put t- 2017. It doesn't us. matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. After he got benched for his behavioral issues the one week, he played knockout football the rest of the season. He was stellar. And I think a big part of Demarius Randall's issues on the field 
came mainly to scheming by Dom Capers and not putting him in a position to succeed. I think Dom Capers, we've spoken about this at length, Dom Capers did not put his young guys in a position to succeed. Demarius Randall was not a boundary corner. He was a, he was a kind of a hybrid safety slot corner, and we played him almost exclusively on the outside just because of depth issues. And he started to flourish. I, th- I have a great memory of the Cowboys game where he has the pick six on Dak Prescott, gets into the end zone, and throws the ball at Dak Prescott and throws up the X towards the crowd. <laughs> yes. It's my favorite memory of Demarius Randall. That, I think, sums up Demarius Randall's time in... Green Bay so well is makes this an amazing pick six, amazing interception, amazing run back, scores the touchdown, and then immediately gets a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. <laughs> With a really funny, great celebration, but it's still a 15-yard penalty. Yeah, Demarius Randall is a bold barbecue sauce. Oh, yeah. And he, so he, uh, he needs a... <laughs> and I love that. I love that. And you do not, and that's I, fine. I generally do as well. I There's just something about... I, I love an outspoken player, mm-hmm. and I think we, more, we more both love the, the Bennett's. More in the game of basketball yeah. is is where like a truly like outspoken player is to me like something that's like fantastic. Guys like you know Kevin Garnett's my yeah. favorite NBA yeah. player oh, of God. all time. Kevin Garnett was great, favorite of all time. Yeah, um, just because he was a bolder barbecue sauce yeah. than some of these guys <laughs> who were you know greater players or more legacy players than yeah. he was. In football, there's. There's too many guys. Mm-hmm. There's there's just there's there's a different ask yeah. when you're when you're one of twenty two versus when you're one of five mm-hmm. in in a lineup. So I'm I wonder if that's all it is or if I also have like football gridiron Green Bay Packers mythos sure, in my head sure, 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 sure. from from that. But we'll explore that a little bit more of like Mike's uh you know, Mike's feelings yeah. about about gridiron players, but. Uh, Randall's out. Deshaun Kaiser yeah, comes I'm, over from the Browns. I mean, if you're going to get somebody for Demarius Randall, you uh, you're you're a Kaiser fan. I'm a huge Kaiser guy. I'm really excited about this pickup. I really think Deshaun Kaiser is a talented. He's about as old as I am. He's twenty. He's twenty one years old. He's not twenty two yet. He's just a freak physical talent who I think was thrown into a bad situation last year, and I don't think we really saw who Deshaun Kaiser can be as a quarterback. He's here now. You assume that that means that Brett Hundley is is about to get uh, yeah about to get traded somewhere. We were talking a bit about this last week of or earlier this week. Mm-hmm. My sense of time, it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> we're talking a bit about this in the idea that you can probably move up five draft picks mm-hmm. at the most for Brett Hundley at this yeah. point, which. Be interesting to see if that really does happen. I am assuming that Brett Hundley is a draft day trade. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, I, I think Brett Hundley is a draft day trade for a move up in the fifth round. That's I think that's the most that you're going to get out of Brett Hundley is a package deal with a fifth rounder to move up in the fifth round. Agreed. There. Um, be interesting to see if they can get anything from him because Deshaun Kaiser is going to be. Aaron Rodgers backup this year. Hopefully we, uh, hopefully the Deshaun Kaiser era doesn't. Hopefully begin. we don't need him for another few years because I think he's a few years away from being an NFL starting quarterback. But man, watch his highlight tapes. Watch some of his tapes from Notre, Notre Dame. He's got. I think he has a very similar physical way that he moves in, in the pocket that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to bring out of him. Spending a little time with him, he moves in the pocket so well when he's aware and when he's smart. He's just 20 years old and he's dumb. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think it'll come around. And I, I don't think it's anything the Packers fans need to be super freaked about having Deshaun Kaiser as a backup. I think he has all the talent in the world. It's just a matter of can Mike McCarthy put it together. And what we've seen thus far from Mike McCarthy developing quarterbacks outside of Aaron Rodgers is that he cannot. So, and and uh, you know, for those of you who are currently composing emails to us sure. about uh, Matt Mellomsetter's comment that Deshaun Kaiser is currently dumb in the pocket, I want you to go back and like. Look at like a Brett Favre low light reel. Oh God! And uh, or maybe look at one of Aaron Rodgers' first two seasons as yeah. a starting quarterback. Man. When it comes to being dumb in the pocket, yeah. this is uh, this is something that young quarterbacks do not usually have right away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we or maybe look at the Brett Hundley. Yeah, era. look at any Brett Hundley. Yeah, tape look at any Brett a, Hundley tape from a starting from a quarterback three years into his development in the NFL. It's a really hard thing to get down, and there were points last season. I watched almost every single Browns game last year because I really wanted to watch Deshaun Kaiser, and there were points last year where Deshaun Kaiser would have just a stroke of brilliance, and he'd step up in the pocket, and he's got the arm strength that no one else has, and he'd deliver a 45-yard strike down the field, and then the two plays later, he would sit in the pocket for 85 seconds and get and get sacks for you know, a 15-yard loss. He just isn't consistent yet and that's what happens with 21 year old quarterbacks by the time he's 25 at the end of his rookie contract when Aaron Rodgers is hitting 40 we'll see what we think of him then I don't think we need to judge him now and of course that's another great thing with Kaiser is that that contract situation is very favorable he doesn't have a lot of leverage no and Packers have all the leverage they need with Kaiser right now coming Mm -hmm. into his second year that is a and that's one of the reasons why this Randall trade is is so valuable mm-hmm. for Green Bay is that they not only got a backup quarterback, they got someone that they have a lot of time to evaluate. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of knew exactly what Randall was. And they looked at that and said, you know, if we can turn that into Deshaun Kaiser, yeah. we should do that. Yeah, that's free cap space. I mean, Demarius Randall was a first-round contract, so he he's, has a bigger cap hit than Deshaun Kaiser. I think Deshaun Kaiser's cap hit is sub $2 million this year. It's small, minuscule compared to Demarius Randall's. Um, but not, I mean, it, uh, you, you, you said something about Packers knowing what they have with Demarius Randall. I, this is something I think about a lot is I don't think we know what we have with any of our young cornerbacks because they were playing in such a shit system with Dom Capers. I think it's hard to judge our talent in our quarterback, in our cornerback locker room or whatever. It's, I mean, we look at the last two cornerbacks to leave Green Bay, big pieces to leave Green Bay. Casey Hayward goes on to become a pro bowler, lead the NFL in interceptions. Micah Hyde goes on to be a pro bowler, lead the NFL in interceptions. Got young cornerbacks leaving Dom Caper's system have gone on to flourish in other systems where they've taken where their defensive coordinators have taken advantage of their talents. It'll be interesting to see Demarius Randall slide into that Cleveland Brown system. The Browns have a decent defense. They have a lot of athletic pieces. I mean, we t- we, I, we don't want to talk a lot about draft speculation, but there's the possibility they get Minka Fitzpatrick at number four. Having Jabril Peppers, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Demarius Randall is a three-safety sa- set. Woo! It's a pretty defense. I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to live in a world where the Browns are good. Oh, God. I, I don't know if I'm ready for that world. They've got all the pieces. they I'm got never, what, 14 never, draft picks this year? It's crazy. I'm going to be 38 years old. I've never lived in that world. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like truly, these are interesting <laughs> dark <times>. days. <laughs> uh, 
as far as re-signings from within the system so far, Herb Waters was re-signed. That's yeah. a guy who exists. Um, Training camp, Jim. Yep. Unrestricted free agents, most likely on their way out the door. Ahmad Brooks, Quentin Dial, Jari Evans. Jari Evans is an old man. He will most yeah. likely take as long as he can to decide where he is going to sign. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear anything negative or positive out of him last year. He was a very, very like show up, be a professional, yeah. do your job kind of guy. I have yeah. no idea what his thoughts on playing in Green Bay was last season. I just know that he did a spectacular job for a line that needed mm-hmm. someone like him. Also ironic that he was brought in with major questions about his ability to play every day and be healthy, yeah. where he's one of the few guys who did play a lot of snaps on yeah. the offensive line. He's out. Uh, Brett Good, long snapper, is uh, is out. Be questionable to we'll see if he ever plays again. He had uh, major leg surgery at at a certain point wow. last year. Yeah, uh, Devon House is gone. Ulrich John is a person who existed, and Richard Rogers. Yeah, hey, is uh, is is on his way out. And boy, I he's he's a guy who just maybe three or four times out of the course of his time as a Packer, you look at Richard Rodgers and you're like, oh, there's a football player. And then the rest of the time, you're like, there's a guy with long sleeves on. He, if I remember correctly, the stat on Richard on, on Richard Rodgers, on Dick Rod, was, um, <clears throat> it's my favorite name. That's good. Dick Rod. All right. Um, I'm going to write that right down here. Uh, is, I think he had the highest catch percentage on the team last year. And he was like 66% of his targets were receptions, which is higher than anybody else on the, on our receiving core. But he just can't move. He's so slow. I think he ran like a 4.86 for his 40 time, just atrociously slow 40. He couldn't really block. He had good hands, but he couldn't really run routes. He was a decent depth guy. I don't think on this team with Jimmy Graham that he would have been anything other than a third third on the depth chart tight end. I don't he, he losing Richard Rodgers isn't much of a loss, I don't think. Yeah, I I I have to agree with you. That's he's a guy who I just was never really impressed with. Yeah. Tight end's been a problem. Yes, yeah. since uh since the Jermichael Finley era mm-hmm. came to an end, looks like it may continue to be a problem. Uh Jacob Shum, who was not the punter last year but was apparently still under contract, was yeah. let we go. Are. And also now signing with other teams so far has been uh, Jeff Janis and Joe Thomas don't care about either sure. of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy I do care about, it's Morgan Burnett. Yeah. Morgan Burnett is gone. Morgan Burnett got $5 million. Yeah. Uh, those are $5 million that, uh, that Gutkunst might have wanted to pay to uh, Morgan Burnett because uh, he's he's good at football. He's really good at a lot of things in football. And I, I we were talking about it earlier with the Tremont Williams contract is two years, $10 million. I much would have preferred that we just gave an extra couple million dollars to Morgan Burnett. I would have much rather had Morgan Burnett on this in this defensive backs room than Tremont Williams. He Morgan Burnett was able to play a lot of slot corner last year and excel at it. He was able to play a lot of boundary corner, not a ton of boundary corner, but he was able to match up on occasion on the boundary, play well. He was a great safety. He was great at stepping into the box and playing kind of that hybrid nitro role that Dom Capers loved so much. Um, that Josh Jones was also very good at. I, I get the idea behind it in that we have this young Josh Jones guy who plays the position very similarly. It's a huge, it's a huge gamble. It's a huge gamble that we're betting on Josh Jones. I get it. I get it. But man, hurts yeah. to see Morgan Burnett go. He was talented. He was a 
He was one of the only good pieces of our defense last year. So those are the guys I am who are also, out the door. Go I on. am also a little sad to see Jeff Janis go. I don't care about his receiving game. He was just a great gunner on special teams. He was always the first one to the to the punt returner, kick returner. I loved watching him play special teams. Yeah, but Jeff, that's a position you can fill with anybody that runs a four three at the combine. <laughs> you'd hope to. That, yeah, Janice, uh, Janice did develop an, a nose for the ball carrier on special teams, but. To occupy like a wide receiver roster spot mm-hmm. on a on a team that currently is looking for more wide receivers, yeah. that's that's something that, uh, that you can't have there as a guy whose only value is on special teams. That might be a a place for someone else. So before we before we get the heck out of here and uh, and move on with our lives, we're recording this on Friday. You'll be hearing this not on Friday, but I'm sure we both have stuff well, to do. Maybe tonight. on Friday. Maybe like yeah, not maybe, today. Yeah, Friday. You might, yeah, not, not like today. Friday the what day's today? I ain't Friday get, the yeah. sixth. You're I not hearing it on Friday the sixth. You'll maybe maybe you'll hear it on another Friday. The speed at which I edit, you will most likely hear this sometime <laughs> in 2018. Is is the guarantee I'm willing to be making at this point. Um, I want to just take a look at the Packers depth chart as it stands right now before the draft, before things have really been sorted out. The guys who are currently around at wide receiver, it's Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, Trevor Davis, and uh, we saw a bit of Michael Clark. I really liked Michael Clark. I I liked Michael Clark as well. little bit that we saw, Uh he looked good. He did. Geronimo Allison as well. I heard he had a uh, an off season um, issue. He did have or, a little or two or a little run in with yeah. the with the with the vice cops. A little run in with the drug issues, but but uh, he's doing fine. He's a good receiver. Hey, folks, um, we got to stop caring when football players get arrested for marijuana. Yeah, hey, that uh, have you have <laughs> has, um, have y'all noticed the current social climate about marijuana uh, in this country? We are chilling out on that. We got to start applying the same chill out yeah. standard we apply to like hey, white Roger. hipsters in California. Yeah. We got to start applying that standard to our football players hey, and Roger. everyone else as well. So uh, we're going to chill out about that. Uh, going down the line, Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsay, Justin McRae, and Brian Balaga. See if Brian Balaga is ever the same player. I don't think I, that I he think, was. I think that might have done it. I think we're done with. I think Balaga. It's time to move on from Balaga. I don't think we're going to see him until midway through next season, uh, coming back from this ACL injury. And I think what is he, 33, 34? I mm-hmm. think he's nearing his his final days. Taking a look beyond him in the death chart, uh, Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy. Our, uh, our two guys that yeah. we have drafted and are trying to develop on the line. I have liked more of what I've seen from Spriggs than I have of Murphy, but neither of those guys were very healthy last year. So uh, jury's still extremely out. Lucas Patrick is still around. Another guy who the, I have no opinion on other no than like he's alive. Uh, he well, had I a, don't know if he's alive. This he, says he is. He had, a, he had a mustache. I haven't seen him before. Uh, Lucas Patrick emailed Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. <laughs> he, he had a mustache last year. My wife noticed him. She watches football with me and picks up on those things. Yeah. So uh, they're just showing a shot of the sideline, and she's like, who's mustache man? <laughs> and I'm like, I have to Google this. So I'm like, who's mustache man? Green Bay the, Packers. The, yeah. <laughs> Uh, tight end Jimmy Graham and Lance Kendricks behind mm-hmm. him. Uh, Lance Kendricks, you might want to start playing football. Yeah, he was not good last yeah, year. Yeah, that would be okay. Aaron Rodgers, of course, and Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, possibly Joe Callahan as the uh, the third stringer once again. This is a preseason hero is Joe yeah, Callahan. Yeah, a training camp preseason mm-hmm. hero. We'll see how much longer he's on the team. I think he has one year left of practice squad eligibility. Mm-hmm. So, hey, he'll probably be on the squad this year. Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams at running back. 
And then Ripkowski and Carriage are your your two fullbacks hanging on right now. I don't think either of them. I don't think we need. I think get to the season. Yeah, I don't think we need to be carrying two fullbacks on the squad. I know Carriage played a lot of special teams last year, but whatever. That we don't need two fullbacks. We hardly ever run a fullback on our offense. Yeah, it uh, it seemed like the end of 2016, the uh, the Aaron Ripkowski handles the football yeah. project was in full effect. Let's mm-hmm. not do that. Yeah. Um, moving on to defense, Muhammad Wilkerson, Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, and Montravius Adams are your uh, are your defensive line. Hey, that's okay. That's a pretty if good. You're looking for a good. I'm excited good to see pro. Montravius Adams healthy for a full mm-hmm. season. That's an early round draft pick. That man, if he can if he can be good too, this could be a dominating and stifling line. We were great at the run last year. We struggled with the pass rush. If we can get this pass rush going, it'll make our secondary, our cheap, weak, thin secondary look a lot better. Clay Matthews, Vince Beagle, Jake Ryan, and Blake Martinez mm-hmm. currently shaping up to be the linebackers. Nick Perry, almost forgot about Nick Perry in there. Also, uh, Kyler Fackrell. I forgot about Kyler Fackrell. I don't think we ever need to worry about not much to Kyler Fackrell again. Uh, cornerbacks right now, Tremont Williams, Quentin Rollins, Josh Jones, uh, Kevin King, HaHa Clinton Dix. That's the entire secondary, gotcha. not just the cornerbacks. Um, HaHa Clinton Dix. Weak. Weak secondary. This is... Thin secondary. I, I'm interested as we... Uh, I kind of like want... I want one more take here before we get out sure. of here. HaHa Clinton Dix. Is this guy as good as, uh, as general NFL media seems to think he is? I think he is, yes. I think... Again, issue with Capers scheming last season. So much of the tape on Ha Clinton Dix last season, he's tentative, he's staying back. He it seemed like the role that he was forced to play last season was that of like a full time, absolute last resort center field. He played very, very deep. He was playing super deep as because so many of our cornerbacks were terrible and also not good tacklers. And so Ha Clinton Dix was playing as this last resort catch catch all envelop the entire field just in case anybody gets past them and I think this year hopefully with Patton we'll see him put back into kind of that center fielding free balling free safety ball hawk that we saw the first few years with Knicks. I think I think we're going to see a bounce back year from him that's my idea I uh, if if Kevin King can play 10 to 12 games this year I think yeah. that might be might be a, a major plus for the Packers if he can play all 16 I think Huge. I think that he is one or two seasons away from being a pro bowler. Yeah, that we, guy could be incredible. We saw flashes of brilliance last season with Kevin King, but he was just hurt with that shoulder injury that we knew he had coming in from the draft. If it, hopefully he's healthy coming into next season, we can see some full time Kevin King. Special teams punter Justin Vogel. It was nice to see a good punter on it the was Packers. So squad nice to see a last good year after the, the Jake Shum era, after, era ended after one season. Um, you don't. Um, I'm gonna just talk a bit to John Gruden, uh, Mr. Gruden. You don't know why you need a good punter until you don't have one, mm-hmm. and uh, you letting Marquette King go. I don't know why you did that because now you don't have a good punter. Previously, you did, and you want a good punter. Uh-huh. You want you want a good you punter. You want a really good punter. Uh, yeah, this is Mike Fleischman. I'm with Cheeseheads in Chicago, and you can <laughs> listen to me. Follow me on Twitter. I'm. <laughs> I have I have a I have a few words about having a good punter. I think Justin Vogel's a good one. Mason Crosby is your place kicker. We know about him. Yeah, he's, he's all good. right. Um, that's pretty much who you got. Trevor Davis coming back to be the return. What do you think of Trevor Davis? I'm not in on this guy. 
I don't like it. It's okay. I think we have him under his rookie contract for I think one more year. I think that's as long as he's on the Green Bay Packers. I think if he makes it through this offseason, I would be surprised if he did, but I he's still he's a cheap he was a excuse me, I think he was a fifth or sixth round draft pick, so it was a cheap contract. Got him on this rookie contract for one more year. Unless we pick like a return specialist in the draft. I think we have how many picks do we have in this draft? Like twelve? There's a few. Uh so it's a total possibility we draft a late round return specialist. I think Trevor Davis stays our return specialist at least through this season. He's not great. You like though. the speed. I like the I speed like the with speed. Trevor Davis. It's the vision and the acceleration yeah. that I don't like with Trevor Davis. Once he gets up there, once he man, gets he up there, gets boy, he's gone. Line. But but he, finding those seams, finding those alleys, special teams is about very very quick decision making, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like when I evaluate Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones knows where the hole is going to be, not just where it is. Yeah. That's what makes him a good running back. Uh, Trevor Davis doesn't know where the hole is going sure. to be. And and that doesn't make you very good at returning. I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Jones uh, returning some uh, some kicks and punts just with the way he showed with like field vision and reactiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to do it for the first episode of the Cheeseheads in Chicagoland podcast. Uh, we'll be back with another episode before the draft during this offseason. We're going to do episodes probably every two weeks, and we're going to we're going to put them around major events. It's not going to be a regular thing because the off season is the off season. It's only so interesting. So drafts, training <laughs> camps, that sort of thing. We're going to catch up once the season gets started, um, once a week after every preseason, regular season, and cross our fingers, postseason game. You can catch us cheeseheads in Chicago, and it's going to release every Tuesday during the NFL season. I am Mike Fleischman. You can find me at M-P-F-L-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N on Twitter. I'm a great Twitter follower. I tweet the worst jokes you've ever heard, and no one pays any attention to me. It's uh, I'm just good to have in that back pocket if you can, if you need to scroll past something without reading it. <laughs> that's uh, that's what you need to do with my Twitter account. He's Matt Mellumsetter. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mellumsetter, at... M-E-L-E-M-S-E-T-E-R at Mellum Center. All right. Uh, so for uh, for Matt Mellon Zester, I am, <laughs> I am, I am Mike Fleischman, and uh, we'll talk to you before the draft. Thank you for joining us here on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellum Center. We'll be back in two weeks to preview the NFL draft. Until then... Stay cheesy, baby. Stay cheesy, baby.